welcome to another episode of The Breakdown. It's another one of our, our little, little interview episodes. Gonna have a little chat. Uh, been looking forward to this one for a while. I didn't want to announce it because I was, uh, wanted to make sure it was going to happen before I, uh, I said anything. But uh, the provincial election's over. There were some winners. There were some not winners. Uh, and the future of the province of Alberta and the political landscape in the province of Alberta has never promised to be uh, more interesting. We got ourselves a new premier who likes to use words in fascinating combinations, and we've got an opposition that many people are saying is somewhat hobbled, and uh, the, there's a lot of people counting the, the days to the expiry date of the leader of the current NDP. We're going to be talking with the leader of a different party tonight, though, because Rachel Notley still won't take our calls. Um, but we're very excited to welcome back to the show leader of the Alberta party, Barry Morishita. Barry, thank you so much for being willing to join us tonight. Oh, thanks for the invite. I appreciate it, Nate. So, I mean, I got a lot of stuff that I want to talk about tonight. Uh, there's, the, there's an election, there's the future of the Alberta party, there's what's going on with the UCP. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw, throw you a curveball, sir. Um, I don't know if you've been following the, the Calgary politics at all, but the, there's an MP, uh, a, a liberal MP, who's come out with some pretty bold statements. And it seems like he's been standing alone. So I want to get your thoughts on this. We know from the publicly reported information that's available that the Calgary Stampede was advised of the fact that they had a child predator working for them as far back as 1988. We know that there's a lawsuit that they have apparently by and large settled, although the amounts are still being worked out, um, that stems from the fact that there was internal communication about their awareness of this predator um, in 2008, they didn't do anything until 2014 when it was brought to the police by families of one of the victims. Now, Mr. George Chahal has come out and he has said, you know what, the stampede needs to be held accountable and they shouldn't be getting any more public funding. I want to hear your thoughts, because one of the criticisms that we've heard from a lot of pundits is that there's no political figures that are willing to say, you know what, no, the stampede does need to be held accountable and they need to demonstrate that they're using taxpayers' money appropriately. So I'm going to hand the mic to you. What are your thoughts, Mr. Morshida? Uh, there's no doubt there has to be accountability. I, you know, I, I think one of the problems we have in our systems right now, and we, we see it played out over and over again, uh, it depends who you know, who you hang out with, and who you're, who, you're, who you're attached to. And somehow you get a break from the, from the rules. And that's not acceptable. Um, there's there if uh, everyone that knew what was going on uh, has to be held uh, accountable. There has to be some responsibility, and uh, people should be resigning. People should be, uh, you know, I don't know what the extent of the law part of that is, but you know, um, we have enough problems with our public institutions. Uh, we saw what happened with Hockey Canada. Um, those kinds of things. Uh, we've seen it in, in several high-level sports across North America. Uh, if we don't put our foot down in terms of, and I don't, I, and I don't even think the public funding is as big of an issue as actually dealing with this the way it would be dealt with if it wasn't the Calgary Stampede. And um, legally and in the media and, and, and all of that stuff, I you know, it's disappointing to see that some people get a break because of who they are, who they know. And I, I don't think there's anything different. I think it's it's the same thing. We see it over and over again. And I don't know what it's going to take to fix that need. I, I really don't. I I just got a note from a person who's moving to BC from Alberta. And, and she told me about a story where she worked in an office where the, you know, kind of the connected guy got an extension on something and the unconnected poor person uh, couldn't ended up uh, in a lot of trouble. The other person walked and uh, unless we fix these things, um, we're going to continue to see uh, people leaving public service. We're going to see people continually be disengaged and 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 worried about what's going on. And uh, I don't know what the answer is. I I really don't. I wish I, I wish I could have a magic bullet and say, hey, we got to fix this now. But I think accountability starts uh, at the top and the Calgary Stampede. If the people that were involved should be uh, should be admitting they had they did the wrong thing and then they should be held responsible and do the right thing. 
Now, I agree with what you say. It's interesting that you say the accountability starts at the top. We saw the Calgary Stampede issue a statement where they were like, oh, when we found out in 2014, um, we, we moved quickly. But the evidence of the lawsuit appears to be, based on what's been publicly released, that, like I said, they knew as far back as, as 1988. We saw the premier of the province, Daniel Smith, come out and say, hey, you know what? It's not the stampede that needs to be held accountable. It's the young Canadians. And they didn't find out until 2014. And she seemed to repeat that narrative. I'm curious, what's your reaction to Daniel Smith, the premier of Alberta, repeating the, I'm going to say it appears to be a bold-faced lie from the Calgary Stampede and apparently working to protect the Stampede's brand by putting the focus on the young Canadians. What's what's your response to her? Well, I, I, it just goes back to what I said initially. Like, you protect, for some reason, you protect those people. Um, it doesn't make sense. Uh, if, if they're, uh, and I've seen, look how she responded with teachers. Look how the UCP responded with teachers. An incident that was properly uh, dealt with was dealt within the confines of uh, all of the policy and, and procedures that were in place at the time, was dealt with properly. They turned it into a giant political storm for their advantage, just like this. And, you know, I, <laughs> I've tried uh, to be you know, less in your face about things, less, you know, less direct about, you know, who's who's to be at fault, because, you know, there's lots of things we don't know. But I guess it's come down to the fact that, you know, if Daniel Smith believes that uh, the Calgary Stampede is in no way responsible uh, for what happened in this case, I think she's wrong. She's completely wrong. And she's saying it for political reasons, period. And uh, maybe we just have to say it like that. And maybe if we say it enough times, people will start to pay attention and demand um, better, more transparency and, and better functioning uh, with our governments and our political leaders. Okay, thank you, sir. I wanna get into, I wanted to get that out of the gates uh, because I wanted to make sure that, that it's, it's such an important conversation and it is mind blowing to me personally that, that I mean, George Tahal is not without his, his room for criticism. Um, and it's mind blowing to me that he is the only, up until just a couple of minutes ago, politician in Alberta who's come out and said, no, they need to be held accountable. And Daniel Smith is a. Yeah. Like, I, I, you know, I know people on the, I, I know people on the stamp. I've worked, I've seen, I, I know, I have friends that volunteer and know there. And I don't know any of them that I know personally that would want less than that either. Like, do you want your child working on the grounds knowing that the stampede uh, is willing to do that stuff. I think somebody has their, you know, they, their head has to be on the chopping block. There's got to be something done. Everybody seems to be getting away scot free. They're they're paying money, but people responsible aren't really uh, paying a price directly. So I think that's unacceptable. Well, in the stampede, I mean, part of the beef for me, I promise we'll get to the Alberta party stuff. Sure. <laughs> but part of the beef for me is. You know, there is a, the, the Calgary Stampede has admitted liability. They have admitted negligence. They have said that there will be payments for those things. Those numbers haven't been released yet. But I don't know how, especially in the next year, with the Calgary Stampede paying up presumably a settlement that one would hope would be in the millions of dollars, how it is that the province, the federal government, or the city are turning around and subsidizing that legal sediment. Like that just, it blows my mind. To me, this is the year that, that all orders of government should be saying, hey, you know what? You're on your own for this year. Show us that you did better. We'll come back next year. But this year, you're paying for that yourselves. And it blows my mind that more people aren't demanding that. Well, we certainly don't give criminals, a, you know, we might feed them a bit and keep them in jail, but we don't give them a free ride and say, hey, by the way, here's uh, here's your mortgage payment. Here's your food bill and uh you know do better next time that's not and that's certainly not what the ucp's been demanding uh, yeah they, you know they're they said they're tough on crime they want to deal with these things and uh what's the what's the worst crime uh, name me a worse crime i can't think of one as a parent a father grandfather i can't think of one that's worse than that i'm gonna leave it there because i think that sums it up let's get into the election so we had one 
and there's some fundraising numbers that came out. I want to get into those too in a bit. But first, I wanted to hear from a high level. I mean, obviously, the Alberta Party remains outside of the legislature. Uh, what would you say are some of the, and I'm going to ask you for the losses after, obviously, but what would you say are some of the wins for the Alberta Party, if any, coming out of this last election? Uh, I'll be honest. I don't think there was a lot of, there weren't a lot of wins. I, I think, um, you know, uh, kind of we're going through that process now. We, we had an, uh, an online engagement about the election. We've talked about it at the board level and, and with candidates, and I'm continuing to do that. And, and I, you know, I think we failed on a number of points and, uh, you know, we, we, there's not like a, you know, you, we can't blame individuals, although as the leader, I take, it rests with me no matter what. I think that, you know, our failure to resonate um, had nothing to do with our candidates and, and even to some, some extent to, to me, but the fact is we didn't have the volume, the resources to make ourselves heard. And, uh, you know, regardless of how good our policy, because our policy is great. I think we had solutions for problems. And uh, I think you even see the UCP talking about some of them. Even the NDP has talked about some of the ones that we've done. But uh, at the end of the day, we didn't, uh, we weren't loud enough. We didn't raise the money we needed to do it. And um, so as a result, I think we we let we let people down, particularly candidates, we let down. And uh, you know, we it was a disappointment overall for sure. I it's it's hard to be positive about a result like that. I mean, you're kind of stealing my second my follow-up from me there. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask though, because one of the things that that it struck, you know, me as a as an outside observer is it seemed like the Alberta Party didn't run, and I know that you 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 guys had a limited number of candidates. There were nowhere near 87, but it seemed like rather than running a coordinated, I can't say provincial because there wasn't 87, but a coordinated campaign. It seemed like there were a lot of independent campaigns going on. Was that a deliberate choice? Was that a necessity because like you talked about the resources and the fundraising? Or am I just reading the situation entirely wrong? No, no, I I, I think it kind of, it, it devolved to that. I mean, I think the intention was to be more centralized, but we we didn't have the money to do it, quite frankly. And I, I'll kind of frame it like this. Um, you know, I think the party and myself had a responsibility to the candidates, and I think this speaks to to quite a bit what's going on in Alberta. But specifically for us, you know, we had a we had a we had an obligation, I think, to get get everybody up the first step. So when you think of kind of approaching a, a voter, uh, the Alberta party and and the leader should have been should have been able to elevate the the candidate to the first step, and we never did that for them. You know, they went in taking that first step by themselves, and. While we wanted individuals to be loud and proud of the things that were important to them, we didn't want to micromanage any campaigns. Uh, I think because we didn't we we didn't elevate them to that first step on a provincial basis to start with, that I think that's where uh, you know kind of devolved in more individual campaigns, so to speak, because quite frankly, uh, the the provincial party wasn't able to make the noise necessary for them to have, you know, any other activity going on. And that's the bottom line. I mean, that, that forces the next question. How is, I mean, I guess one of the questions is, will the Alberta party be making more noise? But, you know, is, is there a plan for the Alberta party to make more noise? Is that, is that part of the conversations that are going on that you talked about at the board level and, and with the online engagement stuff? is the Alberta party looking to be making more noise? Yeah, I mean, there, there's there's two components to, you know, decisions that have to be made going forward there. Um, and, and very bluntly, clearly we can't do things the same way. Um, in 2019, they had 87 candidates, right? And uh, they got 170,000 votes. And then they kind of, everybody fell apart. The, the, the every, everybody left. Essentially, this is what happened. Everybody left. They kept the kind of thing going. And then, um, you know, that far back in the resources, there's two things that needed to be done. One is that we had to have a long, had a better plan. Um, leaders should have been selected earlier, to be honest. Uh, that should have happened earlier. It shouldn't have been that long. I think you might have did a show on that. Maybe I can't remember if you did. There, there may have been an interview. I don't remember. <laughs> but um, so that's one. And then the second thing is we had to have a longer term plan. You know, at, at the end of the day, the the party failed 
to do, and, and I'm, I'm part of that. I, I take the blame for part of it. We failed to recognize where we were, what we had and where we were. And we, I think, function, we tried to function like we were a regular party. And by that, I mean, you know, your traditional parties that we have, the UCP, the NDP, who are flush with money and have all kinds of people doing all kinds of things, paid staff all over the place. So we tried to emulate that and, and we failed because we didn't have the resource. We failed to recognize where we were. So for the party to move forward, uh, there has to be a recognition of that, that we are where we are. And, you know, um, we've, we've done a survey with a lot of results back. Um, I think we got nearly 600 um, and it's telling us the same. It's telling us what we need to do. It's pretty clear that, you know, they want us to be louder. They want us to be more in there, but in order to do that, you need people and you need money. And uh, if people aren't willing to step up, the party isn't isn't going to go anywhere. Like quite clearly, it's not. And there weren't enough people that stepped up. And, um, you know, my my core of, of contacts are very limited in what they can do provincially politically. I was in the municipal world for a long time, and I was very well known. But uh, their ability to step up and do things is very limited, both practically in terms of their own communities and for all kinds of reasons. And uh, we didn't pick up a lot of people otherwise. And then secondly, we gotta be prepared to do things different. I think the party's based on a really sound ideal and you can maintain that ideal by making sure people are part of the policy that, you, that you're involving people in the conversations and that you're promoting a pragmatic, practical solution for these problems we have. And we still have a lot of problems. Uh, but um, we've got to do it differently than we did. And people have to step up and make a commitment. If one of those things doesn't happen, then I, I quite frankly, I, I don't know what happens to the Alberta party because without those two pieces, it's going to be really difficult to move forward. My next question then is, I had a list on one side of my paper and on the other side, I'm like improvising as we go because you're giving me all these roads to go down. But, you know, as the leader speaking for the Alberta party, you're asking people to step up. I think the obvious question has to be, what are they stepping up to and for? Uh, again, um, you know, if if we believe, if you believe that a, there's another option, that the UCP and the NDP, this the, the way politics is done in Alberta isn't serving you, then it's not enough to sit in the ballot box, to be quite frank, and vote against the least of the worst. Um, if you want something different, you have to step up and do it. Uh, you have to be part of it. That doesn't mean you commit your entire life to it. That means we need people who are willing to do some of the jobs necessary um, as a small party to begin with. We are where we are. And we need people to do these jobs. We need people to donate. And if people do neither of those things, it can't be done, Nate. I, it just can't be. I, uh, I would have loved to have implemented plans we had for all kinds of things. Our social media plan, I think, was really, really good. But we didn't have the resources to hit the mark all the time. I, um, the parties really... Here's a good example. An issue comes up, right? Uh, the truth is out there somewhere, face facts, during the election particularly, and even prior to that, I, I can say with some certainty on some issues, neither of them was very truthful about some of those things. But for us, the, the two things that I, or one thing that I always look at is that if you ask me a question about that issue, I need the answer. I need it to be fact-based. Uh, no matter what I say about the issue, if you ask me about it, I need the facts. Uh, that That's not something that you just, you know, do like everybody else you can google it i guess but you have to make sure that you're based you're basing that we didn't have the resources so we were slow we got behind you know that's just one example and so you have this social uh, great social media uh, plan but you can't even get off step one because the issue today is putting you three days behind because we didn't have the resources that's as simple as it starts and um uh, without people to help us, without money to help us, we're not going anywhere. And, and that's what happened. You know, we just, we didn't, didn't have the horsepower. I, I got to say, one of my favorite moments, just because it was such low hanging fruit, the AI, uh, that yeah. was... <laughs> 
like that was that was remarkable and i i could i can understand where the the execution where the attempt was coming from on it but yeah. it was it was just when that came out i was like wait what <laughs> yeah no we poorly poorly again and this is where the resources come into play like so if we would add you know a proper group in place to look at that we would have made sure and we did in hindsight in fact before even the sh the well, I almost said shitstorm, but I guess I was going to anyway. You're allowed to. <laughs> we said we should have put a disclaimer at the very beginning. And then it was kind of like, whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like, you don't have that in place. And then, and then, well, we know what happened after that. We should have been able to leverage that into something if we'd have been on top of it, but we didn't. And again, that just speaks to um, the maturity of the party in terms of being able to get get a plan put in place. And, um, you know, I believe in the way we're going, but you, you can't do it with nothing. So the obvious question that I have to ask, uh, and I'll just get it out of the way because that way it's out of the way. Uh, you know, there are people who are looking at the NDP's, uh, results in the election. There are a lot of people who, who, uh, I might may have been one of them who were saying that this should be the, a breakaway on an empty net like it was it was that that should have that was their election to lose and they did a bang up job of it um, yep. but there's a lot of people who are saying hey you know what Rachel Notley wasn't able to carry the NDP over the finish line um, I can only imagine that that conversation has taken place inside of the Alberta party so here's the question is Barry Morishita staying on as leader of the Alberta party uh, probably not as leader um, if if the party decides, you know, puts a different plan in place and there's people and there's an opportunity, I'll, I'll probably stay and support it and be part of that. But um, no, Barry, Barry won't be the leader um, going forward, certainly not into the next election. I, I have some practical things I have to deal with. And I and I think the result speaks for itself. It, you know, I wasn't able to do what I wanted to do or what, what I'd hoped to do. And, and I think it's fair game for someone uh, who's willing to do that, to go on. I'm, I'm not as young as I used to be. And I, I think the time, if the party's going to go on, we have to do things different. I think you need a new face. Uh, I, I, I think um, you, you, you want a sense of enthusiasm and, and uh, a newness. I think that's, that's part of the path going forward. I think that's got to, energize people so i think that's part of it and then you know personally i i um i've got financial things to deal with i'm not uh and uh you know i the party's in the place it is and so i there's some practical things in my life that i have to deal with as well but but more importantly i mean i'm going to be part of it i believe in what we're doing i i believe that I believe right now, for instance, that if we were government, we wouldn't have the junk that's going on right now. I, I think our ideas were far superior. I, I think our approach to these problems was more practical. And I think for the most part, people believed them. But when it came down to the ballot box, um, they didn't. And they didn't know enough about me and they didn't know enough about the Alberta party to to uh, to give us a chance. And so I think it's, we have to go at it differently. And that includes a leader, I believe. I got to ask, I mean, one of your criticisms in the, the run-up to the last election was that the leadership race happened too late. Is there any kind of a timeline? Uh, have, you, have you picked a successor? What, is, what, is the, what does that look like? No, I mean, I have I picked a successor. I'm, I'm not that uh, ego. I, I don't think that highly of myself that I can just pick somebody. I've talked to people for sure about about doing it. Um, it's a daunting task, uh, but you you know th there's only there's there's only three options in in Alberta, just like there's in Canada right now, and we keep seeing this this happen continually. You know, you if you're in a if you're in a rural riding, you know you you should seek like if all you want to be is the MLA and you don't care, you seek a UCP nomination. Start now. I would tell you start now if you want to be a if you want if you live in an urban center and you want to be a an MLA and that's all you care about you want to be an MLA and you think there's it doesn't matter which vehicle you're in then go seek an NDP nomination start now um, it's going to be a bunch of people that aren't running next time from both parties I'm sure um, for the Alberta party to succeed it's it's a long thing it's a long plan and um, 
you know, uh, the the thing that, and, and to elevate people to that step, you need to have that plan in place. So if I were to roll the clock back, even to the 18, 20 months or whatever, uh, that I was leader, I, I would say that there were two decisions that I would have made that would be different than, a, than I made. One is that um, we should have been a lot more thoughtful about what our expectations were going into this election and what we needed to be a player. And when I look at it now, you needed a million dollars, 800,000, a million dollars in the bank. So you could compete at least during those 28 days at, it, w with some of the media so that people could hear us generally. Because except, you know, people like you and me who are involved in this all the time, we, we, know, we know everything that's going on. We're always paying attention. Uh, we can discern the crap from the actual truth. And we're, we're constantly talking about that. Just like people who are just political operators are only interested in making sure their politics work uh, and that they, they resonate. And they do that by being louder, by being first, all those kinds of things that we, we haven't been able to do that. So if you can't play in that game, you're not going to. And so if we didn't have the money, then we, we should have changed expectations for this election, to be quite honest. And I think that's the key for whoever comes forward is that uh, they need to come early. So uh, the party has some decisions to make, I think early on, you know, and maybe in September, the board has some decisions that they need to make. Uh, I think in the next AGM, the party has to have kind of a, uh, have that, you know, knock down, drag it out. What do we do? Where are we going? And how are we gonna do it? And if there aren't 50 to 100 people that are willing to kind of, hey, commit time and energy, uh, not going to happen. Because I, 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 quite frankly, I couldn't get people to commit for 90 days in January of this year. And when you can't get that, you can't get going. So, you know, those two things could happen. And then, yeah, but it's got to happen fairly quickly. I think you have to have a leadership, um, you know, uh, uh, you have to plan to have a leadership contest if you're going to do all these things. You got lots of conditions to meet first, I think. Um, but um, uh, again, except where we are, we're we're down here at the bottom. We have a good we have good ideas, and and we think we resonate. We talk with the sixty percent number as we need, but um, politics is different than the plan of uh, you know you plan to go to work, you do your thing, um, you you pack your lunch, you get ready for the day, you put your keys in your pocket, you do all those things. Politics is not that. You can show up with your keys, you can show up with your lunch, you can show up with an attitude and uh, get it done. And all of a sudden, uh, hey, get in the office, the lights are off, the vehicle has no gas. That's the Alberta party. Okay, so unique fixer-upper opportunity for somebody then. Absolutely. And I think, I think it's there with the right person. I think that there is an opportunity, but it's a long haul. Uh, it's person to person has been done before. Um, and now more than ever, we need it. Um, I, I really think we do. Well, I don't disagree because like one of the, one of the, the concerns that I know that there's been a lot of people who have voiced is that if we go to a, a two party state, as many people are arguing we are now, um, you know, you take a look at the United States, which are unquestionably a two party state. And one of the things that only having two choices inevitably leads to is disaffection and apathy, because people are not able to see themselves represented or reflected in those two parties. And they inevitably say, I, I'm going to not do any of this. I think there's a, a show on I might prefer to watch. Um, so I I don't. I think that people who are concerned for the future of Alberta should be welcoming a diversity of, of, of views. I want to talk about the fundraising for a second because we just got the, the, the numbers. The big numbers came in for Q2 today. Um, what's, your, what's your take on those? Well, I, I, you know, I, I, there, there was a couple things. There were some practical things that got in our way. I mean, I think all of the money that the UCP swallowed up in, um, in their uh, fundraising for leaderships and... I mean, what did they spend? They spent, I don't know, four or five million dollars altogether. Enough that Brian Jean's running around trying to recoup what he needs in the last couple of days. <laughs> yeah, like I, I don't know, I don't know what the totals are, but you know, that 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 process sucked a lot of money. I think the 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 way the funding works, um, it it is really detrimental to startup 
to smaller parties to have an opportunity, I think. And I think, quite frankly, they were designed that way. I, The NDP started it. The UCP keeps picking away at the edges. And it's designed to keep those two parties, like to keep the system we have. Um, and that's unfortunate because electoral finance reform uh, should be about, just like municipal finance reform, should be about making sure people who are voting have an understanding of how the parties and individual candidates are operating. That's what the disclosure should be about. But um, the fact is, is that uh, the, the, the system is built to support incumbents, support establishment. And that's kind of what's wrong with everything, <laughs> to be honest with you. Establishment gets supported first, and the, the rules are doing that. So fundraising, I you know what? It's, it's again, it's a long, long game. You know, the party raised in the in the December I became leader, December of 2021, we raised $100,000 in December. And then, you know, for all kinds of operational reasons and who knows what else, we just, we weren't able to sustain it. Again, this speaks to that other resource. While we were able to raise $100,000, we didn't have the horsepower to keep that going for another 12 months. And once momentum's you know, once you lose it, it's hard to build it back up. And that's kind of what happened and uh, can be done, but needs to be done differently. Yeah. I mean, you guys, the, the fundraising numbers are interesting, uh, I would say. I mean, like the NDP came in with almost $4 million. Um, the UCP came in with just over $3 million, but that doesn't include their constituency associations. I'm curious, you know, the Alberta party came in fourth with $41,000. Does that, are you seeing any indication that there's donations going to, to your constituency associations? Do you, do you, do you still have constituency associations? Like What's yeah, the we have a, like there? We have a few, but they're not terribly active. And I think everybody's on hold wondering what's going to happen next. So I think that that's part of it. So we're not really too concerned about the Q2 numbers, to be quite honest. We've, we've got other things to decide first uh, in order to make that happen. Um, and and But overall, it, it is concerning because the fact is, is that um, money drives politics because a vast majority of the voters, vast majority of the public, does not take the time to understand what they're voting for. They rely on the news items. They rely on the ads. Uh, they rely on the latest 30-second, whatever they're called now, because they're not called tweets, whatever they're called. I think they're, they're calling it posts called. as of this afternoon, like which hurts me to my core. I, I, we've already started trying to exert a bigger presence on threads just because it feels like the last gasps of the, the little blue bird are, are really being felt, but yeah, it's, a, yeah. It's a wild I mean, blast. you pay somebody to do that all the time, to troll, to, to attack, to make sure they're on top of that stuff. Um, you know, you're seen by this group of people that, that only pay attention when it's really important. Um, you know, they, they communicate one way and that's, they, they see it for 30 seconds. They see it for 10 seconds. They see it for 140 characters plus or, and uh, you need money to make sure you can do that consistently, regularly uh, and build a presence. And yeah, I, but we have decisions to make first, but you know, I think it can be done. We, we did it. We did it for a month, which isn't good enough, but we did it. Um, so uh, it can be done. Um I don't have all the answers, though. I wish I did. Fair enough. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm curious about, and, and this kind of goes to uh, one of the strange opportunities, and I'm curious if this was, again, more of a logistical challenge, you know, doing a bit of a post-mortem here, but was it a, a logistical challenge, resource challenge? But it, it struck me, and, and you and I have had conversations about this, where it seems to me that the Alberta Party has real potential in particularly in regards to rural Alberta, because, you know, there is this misconception that exists about rural Albertans that they're all, you know, rednecks who can't rub two letters together to make a word. And that's just, it's not true. And more to the point, I think that there are a lot of rural Albertans who can't get to the NDP place, but they do hold a lot of progressive values that the Alberta party has historically made a part of their fabric. 
why is it that that message didn't go more to rural Alberta? Was it just the logistics or was, is, is that not part of the Alberta party message? No, I, I think again, I think tactics were flawed tactically there, perhaps, uh, because I think, you know, the, the way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. And probably um, one of the things that, and it's it's been brought up in the postmortem uh, in the survey and with some of the interviews I've had with candidates and other people across Alberta so far as, um, you know, why aren't we taking on the NDP in rural Alberta? Why aren't we trying to get ourselves into that other position? And that's a very legitimate question. I, um, <laughs> It's kind of an interesting, it's kind of interesting explaining uh, why that would make sense. And it makes sense to conservatives. That's where it really makes sense. Or people who call themselves conservatives and who want something different. So, you know, tactically, I think maybe there is an error there. I think we um, continue to go after the government um, more so than the NDP. And in fact, there was, you know, some who said, well, leave the NDP alone, leave the NDP alone. We, there's nothing to be gained by that. And, you know, I think, again, in hindsight, looking at the aftermath of the election, I think we made a mistake there. Okay. Do you think that the Alberta Party, and I've asked you this question before, I'm going to ask you it again. Obviously, there's, there's a lot of uh, soul-searching that the Alberta Party is going to be doing over the, the next little bit. Um, do you think that the Alberta Party is going to, I asked you going into the, the, the election, um, is the Alberta Party a home for conservatives? And your answer was yes. Do you think the Alberta Party will continue to be that kind of thing? Or do you think the, like, it's, here's the question I'm trying to ask. Go ahead. One of the thing, one of the, <laughs> yeah, I'll get to it eventually, I promise. Uh, one of the things, one of the critiques that a lot of people have had of the Alberta Party for years, so it isn't just like the last year, the last two years, last three years, one of the critiques has been, I don't know what the Alberta Party's about. And, you know, I'm not taking issue with any of the Alberta Party's policies or anything like that, but how do you see the Alberta Party defining itself? Is that something that, that you think they're going to find in a new leader? Is that something that's going to be found in policies and the board? Like, how does the Alberta Party define itself? Well, you know, I, I personally think it, 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 it's well-defined. It's just not well-known. Okay. You know, I, I, like, if you, if you take take me as leader and, and I'll just speak to that because I, I, I'm a, I mean, I'm a, I'm a pragmatic, practical person. I, I've, I've never, I've never run a deficit as a municipal leader. I, I don't think it's, it makes no sense to do it. And I think people are well served when they're told the truth about their finances. Not everybody, not everybody can handle it, but most people can. Um, but when it comes to our social services, uh, the province, the things the province needs to be responsible to make our society better, we need more, we need better ways to do it. The Alberta party has been talking about this consistently. So I think what we, what we are is right on, right on point, I think. Uh, but politically, we're not good. We're just not good enough. Uh, we're, we're, again, back to finances. But I, I think even politically, we're not good enough. I think one of the, again, back to accepting where you are and what you need to do to take the first step and go. When we do that, and we're going to say to people, you know what, we're good policy wise, we need to concentrate on job one. That's not going to, some people are not going to be happy about that. They're going to be all freaked out. Um, but we don't, if we had all the resources, we could do everything, but we can't. We got to take the steps that are necessary. Where are we weakest? We're weakest in the politics. We're weakest in our exposure. We're weakest in our media. We need to do those things. Our policy, we don't need to spend a lot of time and money doing it, but that's going to piss some people off, quite frankly. And But the party has to make those, again, doing it differently. The decision's going to have to be made. Do we drag the party back, which is what my view is, that we drag the party back by doing all of these things that every party does so that we look like a party and we feel like a party, and then we get 2% or no seats or whatever the result is, and does that make you feel good? It makes me feel crappy, to be honest. Um, so where do we fill the gap and where do we concentrate on? That means some of those people that only think that the Alberta Party is a place for you to talk about all your good ideas and talk about the next solution and talk about all of these things and build this great policy and then leave, essentially. And I, I don't mean that crap, but I mean, no money, 
no other plan to get that message out, then what's the point? The point should be, accept where you are. No one knows about us. We got to tell people about it. So that means we have to concentrate on some important things and important things are the politics of it. And if we don't do that, it doesn't matter how good our policy is. Uh, and I, from what I understand now, the more I talk to people about the past, that's more of the Alberta's problem historically as well. We, we spend all our time and resources making great policy and we do absolutely nothing to tell people about it. And, uh, or we don't put enough energy in it. We don't find the people to do it. We only attract the talkers. <laughs> Great talkers and well-meaning people, honestly, but to win the politics of it, we need a different group and a, and a different plan. Let's talk about what you've seen post-election. Um, and we don't even, like, I think we've, we've, we've kind of fleshed out the status, uh, the State of the Union for the Alberta Party. What are you looking at provincially? What are your, you know, what are your concerns? What are the, the things that you want to see happen for the province? Well, I mean, I, you know, the concerns are kind of what we started the conversation with was about who gets what and why. Um, I'm really concerned about our star still. I, I'm concerned about provincial police, uh, concerned about the pension plan. I'm concerned about the NDP's approach to opposition. Um, I happen to speak to some newly elected members who, you know, in, in my opinion, like them and they're friends of mine have their head in their sand about what's going to happen in the next four years and uh i'm concerned about that because what it'll do is it'll lead right back to the exact election we're having today no matter who's in no matter who the leader is and we're going to have the same kind of battle and that's that's my fear because all of these other issues are just gonna be set up for those four years so i'm i'm concerned about post-secondary education i think it's it's getting out of reach. It's getting difficult for people to be part of. I think the fact that the government's trying to put its ideological stamp on education and courses and things like that are are, are ruining the future for Alberta. I think I think about my seven-year-old granddaughter who wants to be ten things right now, and uh, which is awesome. Should be encouraged at every level. Uh, but if it was the UCP telling her what to do. I'd be really concerned that she'd be pushed into a space that she has no passion for and doesn't end up staying or or worse fails. And uh, I, these are the things I see and I, I don't see the NDP doing anything about it, to be honest with you. Um, you have to approach all of these things differently with an, with a, with a, an idea to serve the tw the 21st century here with an idea to build an Alberta that can compete and survive 50 years from now, 70 years from now, when, when oil and gas is a different game, whatever that is. But if we keep going backwards and serving those people who are benefiting from the way it is now, uh, and I mean that on both sides, you know, if, um, if the NDP's uh, power structure continues to just serve its power structure, and if the UCP power structure continues just to serve their backers, we're in a whole bunch of trouble in Alberta uh, because we're not, we're, we're kind of, even though we're the leader with immigration and we're the leader with this right now, we are behind in practically everything else, in my opinion. Uh, I've been to Saskatchewan lately, and while Saskatchewan has a lot of the same mentality that comes oil and gas, at the local level, they're, they're they're far more innovative. They're trying way more different things. Um, BC is another example. I, you know, I just see opportunities there that we're going to be passed up. And that next generation of kids coming in to run Alberta, to start businesses, to run hospitals, and to build kids' uh, minds for education, man, I just think I'm really worried about it. And I don't see anybody doing anything about it. And so, um, that's my problem with the politics. Uh, you know, the UCP only cares about getting elected. The NDP only cares. In my opinion, I, I know I'm being somewhat, you know, pretty blunt about it. And that doesn't mean that they don't have good things going on and don't have good people. But they're so concerned with the race that what we need to do, ideally, what could happen, is the UCP and the NDP have to think more like the Alberta Party about the processes. And if they did, that would be wonderful. Uh, because they have the resources to do it. 
they're in the position to do it. They're in a position to change it. Um, we need good ideas to prevail, um, but the politics is winning, and I, I don't see that changing right now. Uh, I don't know, like if 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 Rachel leaves, as it sounds like, you know, she's probably going to or might. Uh, who ends up? Who ends up uh, with that chair? And are they willing to take it to a different direction? I don't know. The UCP could be blown up in a year or two or three. Who knows? Um, but the politics is going to prevail there. And that's that's the problem. We we just see a lot of that. It's sad, actually. I'm saddened by it. Yeah. No, I think you're like, certainly the, the NDP is going to be fascinating to watch, I think, because, um, you know, when you think of who the NDP's brand is all Rachel Notley, you know, the the I'm with Rachel was the the, the slogan a couple of years running. And to try to imagine who's going to be able to be a successor to Rachel Notley and maintain the momentum that they had with the last election. <laughs> I can't do it with a straight face. Um, but to, to maintain that and to not have a, a bloodletting of, of seats in three and a three quarter years, uh, I mean, that's a really tall order. And especially for a party that is so culturally defined internally, it's going to be a fascinating to challenge to see how they, they, they navigate that and come out of it. Whereas with the UCP, it's been fascinating to see how many, you know, the, there were, and I'll admit that I was one of them, there were a lot of people speculating, you know, Daniel Smith, she ain't going to last six months. But the aspirations for power seem to be such that the overwhelming majority of UCP MLAs have decided to be very, very good poodles. And they're doing exactly what they need to do to not only sustain their seat, but also sustain a UCP government, a Daniel Smith government, and on and on and on. So the the politics piece is, is tremendous. I know that you said that you don't see that uh, changing anytime soon, but what do you think, like, just go down the thought exercise road with me. What do you think that would take? Well, you, you know, I, I, I think it would take for, you know, let's say the, the Rachel Notley leaves the NDP and a, and a new person steps up and they have to demonstrate they're willing to do what's best for Alberta. And, and the funny thing is about the whole last two elections, last two, last eight years, 12 years in Alberta is that, you know, actually, Rachel Notley did a lot of good things for Alberta, thought a lot, I think. Uh, she, she, she moved the party to the center because that's where Albertans were. And I, and I think um, the, the problem will be demonstrating that whoever's leading the NDP can, can be that for Alberta. Because if you do what's best for the party, as we always seem to do, uh, I, I, don't, I, I, think they're in, I think they're in huge trouble. Uh, Alberta, Alberta calls themselves conservative for a number of reasons. I, I don't know what they all are. Lots of it's rooted in this kind of, you know, federal, provincial fight all the time. It's, it's always been, you know, a supposedly person to the left of them that's causing all their problems. So, I, you know, it's, it's fairly rooted. And again, because we don't, it's not in the best interest of those two parties to have thoughtful conversations about issues. Um, you know, it's going to be difficult to break through with that. So I think for the next two cycles, for sure, that you have to be um, in order, I think, to be successful in Alberta, you're going to have to be seen as someone who a conservative can vote for because a conservative in Alberta, which is a different conservative than anywhere else. Um, they just lots of them think they are. And, you know, when you sit down and have a conversation with them, they're sitting right in the middle or they might even be left to center on some issues. Uh, but they work in the oil patch or their family does, or uh, they're, they're from a hundred year old farm family. So they always have been. So they're, it's gonna take a big shift. Uh, somebody who's willing to drop, uh, prove, I guess, in essence, that the party's not as important as the province. Um, because the UCP already owns that just by people think they're conservative. So conservative party always does what's good for Alberta because they're always fighting the other party and, Ottawa so I don't know it's hard to break through I've had really good friends of mine tell me pat me on the back and say you know you did such a good job way to stand up and and be but I know they didn't vote for me and 
it's just bizarre uh, but it is but again that's accepting it where it is the alberta party accepting this is the way alberta is working right now and and how do you take advantage of it how do you use it to elevate yourself into a better position instead of standing back saying that doesn't make any sense to me so we'll just keep doing the same thing well that we got the result we we got because of that so we need to switch tactics and and i think the ndp if they want to be successful beyond past uh, rachel notley they're going to have to do that too and i think that's going to be really difficult for them it's going to be i i think that the ndp are on the cusp of a internal civil war um that is going to be uh, fascinating to watch unfold because when you take a look at who the the base of the ndp are um they're pretty far left um and that will not win them an election uh, and so the people who know what it's going to take to win them an election are going to continue to drive try to drive that party more and more to the the center we certainly saw it in the the provincial election um but that was one other thing i wanted to ask you about um you know you said that the alberta party didn't tell a, a didn't explain themselves well they had the policy um you had the 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 ideas but you couldn't get them communicated the ndp had more money than god and they didn't seem to be able to tell their story either what did you make of that i i i you know if i would have had that much money <laughs> i guarantee there would have been some alberta party seats so um i you know i don't know it, it, it a couple of things didn't make a lot of sense to me um first of all is that the, the truth is more powerful than this than a than a story you make up so i think telling the truth about um 2015 to 2019 would have put would have put a lot of those people that were looking for a place to vote at ease in my mind you know i'm i'm being complete not not talking as the alberta party leader now for sure but i but i didn't understand that the truth of 2015 to 2019 i was there i lived it you were in alberta you lived it the truth they should have told the truth about it they should have been honest and upfront and said this is what it, this is the truth of 2015 to 2019 because instead they they listened to the ucp and daniel smith lie about 2015 to 2019 and then rather than combat that they just started telling their own lies about the ucp or stretching the truth whatever you want to call it electioneering i don't think that served them well because those people were never going to vote for them ever so the people that were going to wanted to be put at ease that you know you were in power from 2015 to 2019 we keep hearing the story that you were like horrible for the economy tell the truth about what was going on from 2015 to 2019 i never heard it once they never talked about it once and and if you're afraid if you're ashamed of what you did and i i even thought that in 2019 um before i was involved i you know jason kenny's credibility was already in question the first week all they had to do was talk about what they did for four years because there were some good stories there. So that's one. And then the second thing is, is that I think they forgot who they were trying to get to vote for them, um, uh, particularly in Calgary. And they did well in Calgary, don't get me wrong, but that was because the UCP had literally burned its bridges with so many people uh, with putting Daniel Smith in there. But um, the the small business tax, the, the business tax, like the corporate tax rate, that made no sense to me they were willing to freeze residential like individual tax rates again beyond my comprehension i don't understand that but whatever they were doing that but yet they were going to do it by raising corporate taxes that makes no political sense in alberta certainly not in calgary alberta which is where they had, like, I can understand how a policy like that would maybe fly a little bit in Edmonton, but in Calgary, where, like you said, you're trying to convince these voters, no, no, we're, we're, we're cool to, to come out with, a, and we're going to, in, like, I can't think of a single election that's ever been won by saying we're going to increase taxes. No, no, it, it's, it's a, and it's, it's funny because we had lots of people talk to us 
uh, about, you know, because we, we've always left sales tax on the table. It's been in all our shadow budgets. It's in, it was in our platform document and people were going, well, you'll never win with that. But right. If we fought an election on the PST, we would not win an election. Not today. I think you will someday, but not today. Because, um, but you do, you're right. You do not win that. And Rachel Notley only needed two or 3%. So for them to come up with that, like, I'm not sure who was advising them that this was a good idea, but it, it, you know, if she had phoned me as the Alberta party leader at the time and asked me about it, I would have told her, even though it was in her best interest, I would have said, don't talk about that. That's crazy. Uh, if you want a chance to form government. Again, I, I think they forgot who they were talking about. And that's the concern going forward. If they pick the leader, pick a leader, and the Alberta Party has to do that too. You pick a leader that's good for the province, uh, you have a chance. But if you pick a leader that's, quite frankly, that's good for, you've talked about at the core of the NDP, not good. Um, so again, I, uh, I, I don't know what happened during the election. It, it was theirs to lose, I thought. And um, yeah, I, and honestly, uh, Daniel Smith didn't have to do nothing except appear to be in control. Other than that, she, she had nothing. She didn't offer us anything. So, well, and she clearly is, has not kept some of her, her campaign promises because she certainly left Albertans with the perception that the, the Alberta pension plan was not uh going to be a thing she she seemed to have generated the perception that the provincial police force was not going to be a thing and yet she's already saying hey you know what would be great how about an alberta pension and a provincial police force and it, it goes back to again you know the, the the thing about the conservative and what's good there there isn't a conservative person who would spend more money doing the same job yet here we are talking about a pension plan, talking about, I think the mandate letter for the finance minister said to look at collecting our own income tax. Why in the world would a conservative government want to spend 75 to $100 million setting up a department to do something that's done already for nothing? It's, it's, it's crazy stuff. But again, the politics of it and who who's served by that, which I have no idea who would be served by that, but the politics is certainly served. Uh, the, the, you know, it's all of these, again, terrible decisions for the wrong reason. What's good for us is good for Alberta, and it got to be flipped around. It should be what's good for Alberta will be good for us. And until we get that equation figured out, I think it's going to be tough in Alberta for another term. Fair enough. Anything else that you want people to hear? Anything else that you want to say? The I'm I'm going to give you the 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 floor is yours. Um, I, I mean, we've covered a lot of ground in a relatively short period of time. So, you know, anything that you didn't get to say that you want to say, or I don't know if you want to like sing for a couple of minutes, whatever. <laughs> no, I, I will say this. First of all, I want to I want to thank you and and the people like you that are are taking the time, the extra time to. to to talk about these ideas, to talk about these opportunities, to talk about issues in a really direct, meaningful, honest way, you know, free from the spin and the, you know, the pie charts and the damn headlines. I, I, I really do appreciate this. I, I think if we did this all the time, we'd be far better off. Uh, so I want to thank you, first of all, for doing this. And the other thing I think I, I'd say to people directly is that you know, you're more in control than you think you are. You, we do so few of things um, strictly based on fear. We just do. We don't, we don't take jobs based on fear. We don't have kids because we're afraid. We, we don't get married because we're afraid. We get married because we're hopeful and we're, we're planning for the future. And it seems like to me, the last two elections we've just fallen back to that. So I'm asking Albertans to, to look forward with hope, find those opportunities to change this province because they are still out there. Even with the parties that are existing, if you put enough pressure on them, they, they've shown they'll, they'll do different things. And so to people like you and to people in the province that are, want to see the change happening, don't give up. Uh, but next time when you're voting, find that candidate that can give you some hope 
that's not just going to take away your fear of the NDP or the fear of the UCP. And uh, if we could step across that threshold for a little while, even I think we'd we get some better decision making, and I think we get some better people running to be uh, leaders in this province. Perfect. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it at that. Barry, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to to chat tonight. And I think one thing that isn't said enough to people who choose to get into the the political realm. Um, thank you for your service, sir. I mean, it's it is a a politics on a good day is a hard road to hoe. Being the leader of a provincial party, harder still. And you know, being the leader who's sorting through the 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 losses. Uh, I mean, you you said it yourself. It it feels crappy. I'm I haven't had to deal with that myself, and I don't ever intend to. But uh, <laughs> I I think that anybody who's willing to step up and take on that sort of work uh, is demonstrating some civic responsibility. Quite frankly, that that needs to be acknowledged. So I want to say thank you very much for your service, sir. No. Thank you. And there's lots of good people that want to do it that way. So let's encourage them to come out of the woodwork and do their job. Awesome. Thank you very much, Barry. Thanks, Nate. And that's it for another episode of The Breakdown. As always, if you appreciate the kind of content that we're trying to produce here, we would love nothing more than if you thought about signing up to be one of our Patreon sponsors at www.patreon.com slash thebreakdownab, where for just the price of a fancy cup of coffee a month, you can help us continue to produce this kind of content. Whether you're listening to the audio version of the podcast, in which case, maybe leave a, a, a review and a rating or whether you're watching it on one of our streaming platforms we want to say a big thank you to everybody who is part of the breakdowns audience and as always take care of each other and keep the conversation going <laughs>